league players have for years had this question of what happens with Thresh and Lucian because they were in the game forever. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, vengeance can't bring your wife back. Now announcing Cinna. <laughs> so yeah, if you want the details for it, yeah, check out our other episodes. Episode 58. I'm your host, Ryan, here with your other host, Hedge. And it's spooky season. Woo! Oh, that's right. It's, it's as, as Will used to like to say, spoopy toastober. <laughs> spoopy toastober. <laughs> so good. Spooprera. <laughs> oh, no. Gross. As always, <laughs> housekeeping up top. You can listen to us everywhere. And now you can visit us at podcastcore.com. You can find all the info there and follow us on any of the platforms that you prefer. And you can also send us an email at podcastcore at gmail.com. So please leave a like, follow, short review on whatever platform you're using. That helps us a lot. It helps us spread the word. Um, but you can also spread the word yourself by telling a friend to open their mind and hearts by listening to the Casuals of Runeterra podcast. Plus ultra. Plus ultra. <laughs> <laughs> Plus ultra. Um, <laughs> this is not a uh, my hero <laughs> podcast yet. Yet, hey, uh, hey, you're, I mean, keywords on yet as we're over here, like you know, tell a friend to open their mind and soul. I know, right? Find their limits and go beyond. <laughs> so we're coming to you with our. A story for now. We've done a good amount of stories, kind of testing out the format, seeing what you all think. So if you guys can let us know how you feel about um, us diving a bit deeper into like the story part of things that aren't very champion specific. We're having fun with it, so we hope you're having fun with it as well. And for this episode, we're going to talk about Homebound, um, which is a Lucian story uh, and a very long one. So warning, not that the episode is going to be long. But there's a lot of content here in the sense that we get a very unique view of Lucian's adventure at a very granular level. Because usually when you look at his bio, you look at the other episodes we've done, go listen to those. Um, when we look at him on his adventure, it's kind of brief interactions with Thresh. It's almost like a mini game where he's just hunting Thresh constantly and we get the, you know, beginning and the outcome. Yeah. But in this, we get to see the moment he interacts with Thresh, what happens from that point leading up to another interaction, right? And it's a big interaction in the overall story. So that's what makes Homebound very unique. And the way it's represented is almost like a small short book where it's broken into 10 different parts because it jumps from place to place um, as it moves through the story. Yeah, yeah. This story definitely has more of a feel of going through different chapters. And it, this is a great example of why Ryan and I really like doing this show. Like, there, yeah. there's is so much depth to all of the stories in Runeterra and all of the characters. And this is a good one that shows that example because... Uh, to not to be completely unfair to Lucian, but most of his story up to this point that we've covered is him screaming Cinna into the void <laughs> and then firing his lasers. So yeah. they, let, let's learn more about what Lucian is like as a dude, right? Exactly. Yeah, let's <laughs> hop into it. So we're going to go, we're going to mention 
part one. It's broken into parts. So part one, um, this is where the story starts, um, as every good story does. Uh, that That's for you, George Lucas. You start at the <laughs> beginning. All right. All right. So this story, <laughs> this story starts with Lucian standing um, on a cliff or like a, a hilltop about to run into the middle of a heroin, harrowing, which is the opposite of what you do uh, when a harrowing is happening. And if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to our previous episode, we kind of break down what happens if you go into a harrowing. Um, yeah. And those were guys that were trying to get away from it. Let's see what happens to Lucian here. <laughs> <laughs> so Lucian, standing on the hill, runs down into the middle of it, gets in the mist. He's running. We get this image of people running away and these bodies that he's passing as he's getting closer to, like, the eye of the storm. Um, he's cutting down mist race in his path because he's used to it. Um, it gives you that sense of a veteran attitude to how he's responding to the madness that's going on around him. But the thing that stands out is this maniacal laughter. It's not the Joker. It's Thresh. Um, this isn't the first time they've had this kind of interaction. Uh, but Thresh is kind of concealed in the mist. Uh, we get a description of this device that he got from Bilgewater, which is like this clay grenade that helps disperse mist using these silver, almost like if you were a werewolf hunter is kind of the style I got. Um, but this allows him to disperse the mist, reveal Thresh, and Thresh hits him with the classic line, uh, so you're approaching me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, before before we get like too into like the interactions with Thresh, God, I hate you. <laughs> this is how you know we're real, like we're gonna fully break away to an anime podcast. Yeah, we went from yeah. my hero to yep. JoJo. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I do like as far as um, before we get this interaction with Thresh, it happens because Lucian uses this essentially like grenade, uh, except with silver flak in it to disperse the mist enough to where he can see and attack Thresh. Uh, and it's really cool because this is a great example of how the regions deal with co like not coexisting, but surviving the shadow islands. Um, you can only survive if you adapt. So Bilgewater is adapted as far as using silver dust to disperse the mists. And we know that Ionia gets away with it because they're very spiritual. They're very connected to the spirits, which is why a lot of like their villains are more spiritual than anything mm -hmm. else. Uh, so it's refreshing to see it. It's like, oh, this is how Bilgewater has survived as long as it has. So they've learned how to adapt. And here's one of the things they learned. Yeah. From from our recollection, I believe most of the stories we get from, you know, about Rutera, the harrowing has hit Bilgewater probably the most um, outside of, you know, naturally the Shadow Isles, right, where it com comes from. But, yeah, so we get the interaction between Thresh and Lucian here. The common thing that we've seen in Lucian's biography is, you know, Thresh taunts him, gets him riled up. He shows him a little bit of Senna, right, shows a little ankle. Uh, and then <laughs> he gets mad. He gets sloppy. Uh, and then he tries to either rush Thresh or do something. Thresh takes that opportunity to, you know, slight him. And in this case, um, Thresh hits him with a hook while he's kind of disoriented and knocks him rolling back through the mist that he dispersed off a cliff edge 
into the ocean, right into the drink. And that's no good because like where he's at um, geography wise, it's some rough seas out there. And that's where we're left off on this part as we go into part two. Yeah. And I do uh, this. We do get a shout out as far as to a card from Runeterra in mm-hmm. this uh, in this first chapter here, which is the way that Thresh is taunting Lucian is um, after saying, ah, you approach me. Um, <laughs> he he grins and says, we missed you in, in Helia and feared you'd lost your taste for defeat, Shadowhunter. Um, and if you've been playing Runeterra or know the cards well, that first card that's going to hop to mind is the Vaults of Helia. Yep. So... We we know now that Lucian was there. Like that's not just a impassable terrain for a living life form. At yeah. least a sentinel of light can get there. Exactly. So part two picks up with this kind of poetic um description of just uh memories and internal monologue. It's like a little short passage here. Uh, but it's just to describe the thoughts rushing through his mind as he's unconscious. And then we get into part three where he springs out of the bed in movie style and grabs his side. Um, and he notices he has wounds, but they've been treated to some extent and he's in some weird shack or not weird shack, but just a random shack somewhere uh, with a little bit of light uh, peeking through a window. And what what that really is just like the this is probably the most cliche point of this story yeah. is the you know the nightmare uh the only thing that they've mixed up is that the nightmare isn't just repetitive sounds of senna screaming lucian and yeah. lucian screaming senna um <laughs> <laughs> but then Sasuke! What, What is that? Is that like four times in the past ten minutes? Why are we like this? Why are we like this? <laughs> yeah. But but then uh, just you know, and then just wake up. It's a bad dream. This too is a bad dream. <laughs> <laughs> so Lucian puts on his gear. He sees it sitting there near a window. Um, puts on this gear, kind of suits up. Uh, gets his holster back on and kind of creeps outside and it's just a normal day besides the sounds of like soft crying in the distance. Uh, so he starts heading outside and he sees like piles of bodies and he meets a woman named. So are we going to say Mira? I'm going to say Mira. I, I mean, my brain says Mira because uh, okay. that's also a Spanish word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll go with Mira. So her name is Look. <laughs> <laughs> so she's the one who ends up who was the one that patched him up she kind of acknowledges him and she asks him oh you're up are you feeling a bit better could you help us gather the dead and he politely says no thank you uh uh in a more poetic he's like you know you guys should do this it's your people this should be for you not for some stranger that you picked out of the water right uh and then off in the distance he hears this argument between the villagers and what we get um to know as the noctu which is a great name. It is anything. a great name. It yeah. is a great name. And I also love like the descriptions that we get of these guys. Cause yeah. it's um, for the most part, like Mira and the other townsfolk that Lucian sees are described kind of like your fantasy Island people. Uh, and then these guys show up in like, like full on robes and yeah. cows 
carrying obsidian stone weapons. <laughs> so it's like some mix of like the Spanish Inquisition and like yeah. and Aztec. And it's just like, what is this imagery I'm looking at? I like my brain had so much fun just trying to picture the the Noctu. <laughs> I'm happy you mentioned that because the thing about this story is because it's so ground level uh, and so intimate, you know, to for lack of a better term. It does a great job of building that space. It's a small space we operate in when it comes to where Lucian is. It's not, no distinct descriptions, but because of the interactions between the characters and the brief history it builds up here and reveals, it does give you a good sense of what the environment looks like uh, and how these people may look. So, yeah, so he um, comes across the Noctu. The Noctu, as Hetch perfectly described, are different and they have different beliefs. And we'll get into what those are and why that causes a conflict. But this um, during this time where the Noctu are coming, the vigil- villagers um, are arguing with them. Uh, Mira sees a newly arriving wagon with a couple bodies on there, and she immediately goes to check. And we find out she's looking for her father. Uh, but unfortunately, he's not on that wagon either. Um, and Lucian says, you want to see a dead body? And... <laughs> And he tells her, I know where you can find more corpses. I'm kind of a pro. <laughs> I mean, the, this it does set the stage like this is the first point that it, we kind of are told that Lucian didn't really drift far from where he was at. Um, so the the fact that he's able to guide her to where more bodies are is and indicative that we're still on the same island as in the first chapter. So he didn't just like up and drift to the other side of the world before <laughs> before like getting patched up um but it it also is just kind of like the you know you, you save a guy holding two guns and then the first thing he says is yeah i know where to look for bodies <laughs> it's just like oh god did you kill dad was it you <laughs> so this moves us from part three into part four and we pick up with Lucian and uh, Mira in this new location. Uh, but unfortunately, once again, her father is not amongst these bodies. And Lucian decides at this point, all right, I'm going to help you tend to the injured, right? You're going through it. You've helped me. I can lend a hand. So we got Lucian getting a little a little bit softer, right, which is good. Um, it's good for him personally. Uh, we care about Lucian and we want him. We want the best for him. We just want him to be happy. We just want him to be happy. Like, he literally just lives with death. Like, you just have a moment to remember why you're fighting for life, Lucian. Yeah. So, obviously, after, like Hetch mentioned, after a guy tells you he knows where to find bodies, she's like, he probably knows some stuff about this harrowing business. So, she asked him um, if he saw the harrowing happen and what it's like to watch people taken by it. And he has this internal kind of struggle where he's like, he doesn't really want to tell her specific details because the fact that her father is missing during these circumstances, this could bring up some pain that there's no need for. So he keeps it keeps it loose, doesn't really give her much detail, and then asks her, where's the fastest way for the docks, right, yeah. to the docks? So and, once again, good illusion, just trying to get out of there, yeah. right? And, and a big part of the reason that he doesn't want to, like, give details, as we know from the last story and what Lucian knows intimately, um, that is that the, the harrowing is something that rips the soul out of people uh and it is just wandering spirits essentially and we learn from mira at this as far as being on the hilltop the reason that the noctu and her people are separated is that the noctu believe that if you don't burn the body the spirit will come back as a harrowing whereas the 
the other islanders is like if you kill the spirit then they have no chance in the afterlife like you're killing two lives uh as far as burning the body and lucian knows that if he tells mira this um yeah so it doesn't matter if you burn the body of your dad because his spirit's already in that wailing abyss (laughs) so it is it is a little bit of mercy just Sprinkled in by Lucian, just like ah, who knows what happens to the soul? <laughs> Not yeah, me. <laughs> that, that's that's an interesting point because you have, I mean, in this in this part, we get them running into the Noctu again, arguing with the villagers. And at this point, Lucian is irritated because he under he knows what's happening. Right? This is one of those scenarios where there's no there's no ignorance on his part of the divine and what's going on. He knows the truth, and even though the villagers are good people, the Noctu are annoying, but they are also part of the island or part of the 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 region um the fact that technically they're both wrong for different reasons (laughs) and he does not want to be involved because we know lucian at this point to be a very isolated person he just wants to kind of get away from the situation uh he gets once again into another theme here in his fit of rage where he's like i'm gonna solve this with my pistols uh and he goes for them and mira kind of confronts him and is like hey you know what I'm, I'm just as angry as you are. We're not happy with what the Noctu are doing, um, but we just want, I want to find my father. We just want to find as many of our people and give proper burials as possible. They'll get in the way, but we don't want a confrontation. And this makes Lucian upset because it's like you, you can't win for losing, right? So he's like, all right, cool. Do what you want. And he walks off um, towards the docks. Yeah. And I think the, I think a big part of him also wanting to um, wanting to engage the Noctu is also a combination of the fact that he's softening his spirit a little bit on this island. Like he is it's like trying to help the people. So he thinks that, you know, attacking them would be helping. But also it's like, how do I help these people? I only know how to kill. Well, I can kill. <laughs> so it's uh, it, it, the dialogue here is just very natural, though. So it's it, it it carries well. It flows well. Yeah. So it's like, OK, yeah, the pacing's good. So then you, by the time the Lucian's going, all right, it's over, docks over here. You're also <laughs> thinking like, dude, just go to the docks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's actually a good point. Um, this is very well written altogether. Um, not, I wouldn't say it's my favorite story. It is longer, but it is written with purpose. There's no wasted breath. It's just the story they're telling needs this kind of length, right? At at this granular level. Right. Right. I, and I agree. It's not, not my favorite, but it's good. It's good. Like the pacing, it keeps you there. Uh, and then my favorite bit here is that we go to the docks and it turns out that lucian throughout his travels has become a sailor yeah he's not just going to the docks trying to charter a boat turns out he's got his own boat and for good reason um so we're in part five now and he mentions it's a lot it's a lot harder than you think to convince captains to sail into a harrowing (laughs) yeah uh and captains who sell into a harrowing uh check out our previous episode (laughs) and they will we will we regale you with the tale of what happened to a captain who sold, who sailed into a harrowing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he notices while he's on the ship, he's kind of combing around. He's trapped in his thoughts about Senna, the Thresh situation. Where should he go next? Cause he kind of, he lost the bead on Thresh. 
and he notices Mira's combing the beach, right? And he kind of goes top deck, he waves to her, and he asks her, how are things going, right? He's, he's outside of his rage. He's had time to kind of calm down internally. Um, so once again, he wants to kind of assist with her father's situation. And she mentions that they did end up finding a ship captain, uh, a female ship captain, washed up on the beach. And Lucian's like, huh, that's interesting. Could you show me where? Because I may be able to help you find some clues about your father's whereabouts. And we go down this line of back and forth where it's like a, almost like a brainstorm session as they're searching the coastline where Lucian's line of questioning leads her to think that her father came in after that captain and may be um, somewhere else on the island. But that place is deep in Noctu territory. Uh, and that's where we leave off in part five as we yeah. part six. Um, and the thing that stuck out the out to me the most with part five uh because i have a problem and i'm a huge nerd um <laughs> in in lucian's ship uh because he's while he's kind of reflecting on the events that led to him waking up on within this village uh he is marking off on a map as far as this most these most recent engagements that he's had with the harrowing because he's trying to find a pattern for where the harrowing is traveling to and from uh and he's unable to find a pattern but we get an idea of where he's currently at um so it seems that where he's marking off on the map is that uh this island which at this point is kind of unnamed um it seems that it's going to be in the Serpent Isles, which is on the north side of where Bilgewater is located. So Bilgewater's on the southern point of the largest island within this um, archipelago. And the Serpent Isles are separate islands north of this largest island. Um, and then the other places that he mentions while looking at the map uh, would be uh, Falgren, which is where... In our previous story of In Search of Land, that our previous ship captain was sailing away from Falgren, which is closer to Noxus. And then the other island named is one of the islands that is in the region of Ionia. So he, he's been traveling a lot leading up to this point. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the geography there. Nice, nice. So, yeah, I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> our resident map maker, Hedge. Uh, dropping some knowledge there. So in part six, we get uh, we get them kind of wandering west of where they were. And then, you know, Lucian's kind of falling a bit behind. He's starting to tend to his wounds again. Like things are kind of opening up. He's not feeling too hot. And Mira's just kind of, you know, leaping about. And then she comes to a standstill. And she kind of has this look of shock on her face. Uh, Lucian's kind of like, what's up? And she looks over the edge of what seems to be like a cliff face over the ocean, and she sees in the distance uh, wreckage of a familiar ship, um, which we find out is her father's ship. And she follows the site of the debris, and she sees a bunch of seagulls circling a specific spot near cliffs off in the distance. And that kind of leads her to think, there's something over there we need to check out. And, uh, yeah, you know, it, 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 this really paints a picture of the human emotion well, because it's one thing to look at a disaster and know that, like, deep down, know and understand that someone that you may care about it was caught up in it and there's no way out. But then when you actually start getting more evidence that you're right, 
yeah, you know, human emotions a weird thing, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely well done how they how they show Mira holding on to hope, Lucian knowing the truth the whole time, but gradually more and more signifiers kind of leading towards the conclusion that she doesn't want, right? So we move into part seven here. We have a confirmation of a body laying on this boulder of volcanic rock in the distance, um, and the waves are starting to pick up. High tide's going to be coming in soon, and there's fear in Lucian's mind that her father's body is going to be washed away. So he's kind of thrusting Mira like, hey, I know you're in shock, but we got we to gotta do whatever we need to do because yeah. we got to move. Yeah, we have to move. Um, I No one knows the ocean like Lucian. <laughs> Who would have thought? I mean, now, now, okay, I riot employees that are listening because I know you're there because you steal from us all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Forget all the really dumb ideas I've had before that you didn't take from us, but I know that you're here. (laughs) All right. So now the next skin that comes out for Lucian needs to be like Sea Admiral Lucian. Yep. And just put him in like an old like red coat circa like 1500s British attire. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see some Pirates of the Caribbean Lucian, except that he's he's not a pirate. He's the Royal Navy. Can you imagine like his, could you imagine like his uh, Sprite in League of Legends just like, perfect posture yeah just gliding like he's gin <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so we get the kind of jump in action mira snaps back to it uh and the next step is they grab a bunch of vines and start fashioning some you know some tools here so they fashion a big long lengthy strong rope and they fashion a stretcher out of these vines lucian ties one end of that rope to a sturdy like tree trunk and he gives the other end to mira and she also has the stretcher with her, and she decides she's going to climb down. They kind of go back and forth on what's the best approach, but because of Lucian's injuries and the fact that Mira knows the environment a bit better and can traverse, she says, I'll go down and set him up, and then you help pull him up because I need your strength even though you're slightly injured um, just due to the difference in weight. So he gives her the end. She starts going down and immediately it starts going wrong. Um, She's struggling and soon loses (laughs) foothold and falls into the water. Lucian thinks this is GG's because the water is getting more rough. Uh, But she's a good swimmer, strong swimmer, most likely because she lives there. Um, And she's able to get her her bearings uh, around her again, gets to the body um, Lucian wants to hop down and help her, but she tells him, waves him off. It's like she's good, and then she begins to put her dad's body and roll, or gets her gets her dad her dad's body and rolls it over on the stretcher. Um, after some emotional uh, moments, yeah, and I I do like we get to see more of Lucian, just like his heart opening up more to, um, you know, like to the plight of the island here because. The comment that he has when Mira is like is within physical contact of her dad's body and she starts to grieve is um, like the line that's here is that he understands that this moment could last an and in last for an eternity yeah. with with Mira anchored to her despair. And it's just like, uh, yeah, yeah, I. Uh, it, it, anyone who has experienced grief, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's some that's some well well written imagery for it. Yeah, yeah. Some great great growth here we're getting internally for Lucian. Um, 
So yeah, as he's as she sets her father up on a stretcher, she gives him the signal to pull. Uh, he begins, you know, to, and she scales the cliff alongside her father. He's as he's being pulled up by Lucian. Uh, but from Lucian's standpoint, we're starting to get his wounds starting to open up, his hands getting rough, and he's starting to kind of lose faith that he can do this um, in his current condition. And unfortunately, the rope slips. Um, the rope slips. He starts to get a spasm. He grabs the rope and he kind of fights with himself um, to, you know, go against the pain and not give in to the despair. Because with Lucian, it's not just the physical part we're watching here and how it's written. It's also the mental battle of the isolated, you know, loner guy who really doesn't want to be involved in anybody else's problems. And this is like the most you can be involved in someone else's problems, right? Um, if you go back to our Lucian episode, we talked about, you know, when he left Demacia was because he always felt disconnected from the West, rest of that society. So for someone who's in this position with someone who's going through one of the hardest moments in their life, there's a lot going on with yeah. just him pulling and, this rope. Yeah. And, and then on top of all of this, the, like before he got literally in the definition of someone else's problem, uh, before he got tied up in this, it was his, another showdown with Thresh, which yeah. not only was another loss for Lucian, but it had that shred of hope where he was able to put a shot on the lantern. And he, so he feels like this is the lowest that Lucian's ever been yeah. because that was supposed to be the W. This yep. is supposed to be the time that I can free send a spirit and I can't. So now it's like this that sense of the of that uh revenge against Thresh being impossible yeah. combined now with his injuries doing something he doesn't want to do. I'm gonna die doing this, aren't I? Yeah. Compounding despair should be a card in the game. <laughs> Dude, that is a good card name. <laughs> But what we get here is this kind of, so the rope slips, he's in despair, he doesn't think he can do it, he's ready to just give up on this effort, and lo and behold, at the end of this part, Mira appears at the top of the cliff, she rushes over, and she's at his side to help him pull up her father the last bit and get him on top, and they do, they get the stretcher up, everything's good, they're exhausted, and we move into the next part of the story here. And I, like, if this was animated, this would be the point where Mira would be, like, up on the cliff going, do I have to do everything myself? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because, you know, a slight um, detour, Mira and how she's written and what we get from how she interacts with Lucian is very similar to Senna. She's, I, I think it's on purpose where she's, you know, strong-willed. She's willing to, you know, go against him. Um, she's willing to have discussions, take action. She's very involved, athletic. Like there's all these traits. And I think I mean, we know that's on purpose. This is good writing, right? So that's that that makes us like her a lot more. And it also seems to be helping Lucian as he's coming to terms with the current situation with Senna and the feelings he has trapped. And we'll get into that towards the end here. But yeah, so we move into part eight. They get the father up. So the next part is, okay, we got it up the cliff phase. Now we have to get it back to town. <laughs> and back to town is through Noctu territory. Because we are deep into Noctu territory. Yep. And we know that the territory is split pretty much half and half of the island. So literally the other side of town. <laughs> yep. 
Um, so they're both exhausted. They're both in pain. They have one end of the rope as they drag the stretcher, and they can already see these uh, burning pyres in the distance, which are the Noctu burning corpses. And as they pull the stretcher, they get closer. Lucian's temper is kind of kicking in again because, remember, this is the third interaction he's going to have with people that he doesn't want to interact with. Um, and Mira immediately kind of senses it because he's like, screw this, goes for his guns again. And she's like, she's essentially done with him. She's like, listen, I don't know you that well. You're obviously a hothead, but you the way you want to solve our problems isn't the way we want you to solve them. We don't want you to be involved in that sense. If you're going to help us with what we want to do, then cool. If you're going to get in the way, then just go about your business. And once again, that kind of pull Lucian um, back down. So instead of just walking away, right, he then says, okay, cool. I get it. I finally understand. I'm just going to help her get to her goal. So he picks up the rope and starts pulling again. Yeah. And a cool bit that we do get to see here um, as far as Lucian getting talked um, talked from the ledge with yeah. the speech of mind your business um the the cool thing that we get to see here is that we we get details as far as the pyres that the Noctu are making with as far as it being like the religious side of how they prepare their dead because it's not just them piling up bodies and setting it ablaze they actually have the guys in robes so they are pretty much priests that's what we can be led to understand now and they start chanting over the body and they're the staves that they're carrying are basically like morning stars like they have these large blunt objects at the end of them but they're made of obsidian so very you know the volcanic rock so they're very black, but then they start to shine with a bright vermilion color. So they bright red. And the, they not only do the weapons start to light up, but when they start to light up, that's when the bodies ignite. So they are using their beliefs to manifest some kind of power to start the burning process, um, which would kind of also feed into the fact that Mira and her people are like, no, they burn the spirit away because there's definitely clearly something uh, supernatural going on with yeah. how they are doing this. So exactly. it, it is a nice little detail that we get to have. Um, so since we get those details, that's where my brain starts going crazy with like, Hey, mm. we're going to get like a knock two champion at any point. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> so this starts to take us into the end of our story here at part nine, where they reach Mira's home shack, hovel, whatever you want to call it. And they bring the body inside. And this is where we get the peak of the, the, or we're kind of rounding the corner on the grief side where she's trying to, you know, tend to her father Lucian's still a little bit disconnected um, and he notices what it's doing to her to have to touch her dad's body and see the scars from the harrowing and all this on his body she can't do it and Lucian off it, uh, offers do you want me to handle it and she's like please so she goes into another room he begins to undress and clean the body and she hands him a few trinkets from like her mother um, and soon she's able to gather herself and help him in the process of getting her father dressed and ready um, for the memorial coming up. And during that time frame, they begin to connect because Mira is starting to tell him about her mother 
how her mother passed early, her relationship with her father, how they were as a couple, how her father thought about her mother in the afterlife as it pertains to the religion. And all this stuff is doing wonders for Lucian because seeing her go through this is allowing him to start to come um, to terms with Senna's fate, right? Because you got to remember, Lucian has no grounding in faith or any people to rely on. This is the first time he's had, uh, he's taken time to actually process this within the spectrum of different cultures. Right? Whoa, whoa, Damasians don't teach religion or <laughs> they don't teach any like understanding of magics? <laughs> What? <laughs> I d what? Come on. Since when? <laughs> I know, right? G Willikers. Uh, um, but yeah, we do get to see a yeah. lot of the. Um, we get to see a lot of the details that we that are given to us as far as how Mira's people deal with burials now after getting to see the Noctu, um attention to detail. But the cool thing here is that. Um, the thing that Mira's struggling with are the wounds on her father. Uh, so we get to learn more as far as like what happens to the body that after going through the harrowing, because these wounds are basically like very quickly onset rot or necrosis because they're described as being like jet black. Yeah. And if we put that to like actual human anatomy, that, that would be necrosis. So the the like just instantaneous necrosis from the weapons of Shadow Isles. Uh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. That you lines know, up. Just direct directly connected to death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the <laughs> that's the Shadow Isles for you. So we wrap up part nine here with Lucian coming to terms with his anger and the pain and what's essentially been driving him to seek vengeance and what's been blinding him in his encounters with Thresh. And it kind of opens his mind to the possibility of an endgame um, that he never really had in sight. So we move into part 10 um, right after that to start wrapping things up. Lucian's back on his ship, but he's kind of he's attending the burial, but from afar, which is classic Lucian fashion. Um, and he is ready to kind of leave and say, OK, kind of put a pin in it. This was an experience. Uh, but Mira does offer, hey. Once you do what you need to do, feel free to come back and call this home, right, with us and my people. And he's like, you know, thank you. Thanks for the offer. But he kind of knows that he probably will never see her again or be back um, in this part of town. <laughs> yeah. And and it really gives like this. Um, it, it They start painting the picture that Lucian is now on his final chapter like in his mind this is going to be the last bout with thresh but this whole story has been painting this picture of lucian being defeated like it is not only did he lose the fight with thresh to start off the story but now he is him him coming to terms with what has happened to senna is him going through the stages of grief and then it's like okay well there's no bringing her back so i will try to deal with the chain ward and and i will die trying this isn't a you know i might make it i might not no in his mind this is it this yeah. is this is how i go out yeah um, and we get a great finishing scene here um where he comes to terms like Hetch said and he cast off and this time it's not about like he ignores his maps he ignores all that stuff because 
he's no longer chasing the harrowing. He's going straight to the source and he's going to the shadow house. Uh, and he knows, like Hatch mentioned, that this may be his last trip. Uh, if you listen to our other episodes where we go deeper into like the comics and stuff like that, you'll find out what happens. But uh, this yeah. is a great way to end it. I mean, after all this, I, this is like you're saying it's like, oh, you know, like check this stuff out and you might yeah. figure out how it ends. I mean, we all know how it ends because it's like <laughs> we, it's already it's already a thing of like we uh, like league players have for years had this question of what happens with Thresh and Lucian because they were in the game forever. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, vengeance can't bring your wife back. Now announcing Cinna. <laughs> so yeah if you want the details for it yeah check out our other episodes but come on don't play this game with me stop hedge i'm trying to sell it <laughs> if you want the details as to how it ends you know the sentinels of light uh series fantastic give it a read and check us out as we break it down for you yeah um yeah so yeah well written like uh, kind of wrap it up here well-written story it's a it's a it's a long one but it did a great job because when i started reading it i was like uh do i want to really get the ground view because we've there's so much and this is not to a detriment but there's so much content out there regarding lucian's adventures and things around the sentinels of light and because of how popular the characters been because of how popular thresh is we have a lot of information so with this story to go even deeper down that rabbit hole i didn't think initially i would get much out of it uh but the way it's written this little slice of runeterra just gives us more from at least our perspective people who love the lore um it gives us a lot because we can take this as we look at other stories and other um, more ground level tribes and more ground level townsfolks and villagers and different types of religions we come across when we get to like Sharim and other places, right? It's cool to now have this slice um, to reference as well. So uh, hats off to another well-written story by another great writer, so. Yeah, and, and I love anything, especially in uh, a a world that is so fantastical um like because i mean look at a yordle and then tell me to take it seriously um <laughs> but so like in a universe where yordles exist like i love that we can have stories like this that really does you know show that you can kind of put yourself in the shoes of some of these characters it's yeah. like because the this whole journey through grief is something that is the human experience yeah and you don't you don't have to take a yordle seriously to understand that <laughs> i feel like you have some agenda here but we're gonna move on um so with that down with the yordles <laughs> <laughs> i can smell you reek of propaganda <laughs> but with that as always thanks for listening and we will be back soon with the next episode <laughs> take care everybody